It's the TEH Podcast, Socially Distant Edition, episode number 90. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. So yeah, socially distant. Like I said, it's just another Tuesday for most of uh, most of us uh, online internet entrepreneur computer geeks. But I know it's been it's been an interesting week for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean my my actual working hours aren't that much different, but I do have a family member in school, so uh, they're not in school now. Right. Um, and uh, and they also work in uh, part time in the food industry. Um, we just had all of our restaurants uh, closed for the time being after last night, right. um, but she works in a pizza delivery capacity, uh, or actually pizza making and delivery. So, um, so she's still going to work. Still going to work. Still yeah. deliver, feeding the masses. Sure. Um, no, business that's, that's, is yeah. business is booming. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of the the traditional, well, traditional delivery services, you know, like Uber Eats and DoorDash and all that kind of stuff, they must be doing yep. great business as well. Yeah, and actually, we ordered for the first time in a long time from Grubhub on uh, what was it uh, Sunday night, Saturday night, something like that. Um, with our our plan is to, even though we we have plenty of food in the house, is to whenever we can order from our favorite restaurants. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, using these delivery services to continue right. supporting our local restaurants that right. can't have in-house patrons at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I imagine if, they're, they're doing well. If, if those, you know, restaurants are still even open, I know that yeah. um, the, the one restaurant we frequent in Woodenville um, actually just said, screw it, we're shutting down for two weeks. And uh, yeah. so they're not even doing the pickup thing, which is really unfortunate because uh, I know that they, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, the, it's the classic conundrum for the folks that work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indeed. Know, they, they have no, no income at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough situation all around. I have heard, uh, you know, I've been monitoring kind of the local channels mm-hmm. next door and Reddit and such. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that uh, some will get a little bit of money out of it. I've heard some chains paying two weeks extra, in advance or, or, you know, coming up, mm-hmm. uh, even though they won't be working, but others will not be getting anything for the foreseeable future, whether it's two weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. But I definitely have heard that at least in our area, um, delivery services are hiring, Amazon's hiring. And of course, all of those food delivery services we're talking about are hiring. Um, matter of fact, yeah, I think the shopping um, delivery Instacart. I think they're scheduling like three or four days out now because they don't have enough delivery people wow. to wow. to meet demand. So you have to like make a reservation for, you know, oh, okay, it's Tuesday. Uh, I want a delivery on Friday, you know, and uh, do that. But yeah. but yeah, so there's some opportunities. Um, and uh, the great thing about a lot of those is they can be part time temporary things. So it's not like you have to go and apply for a whole job and go for an interview and like right. sign up. You know, you could sign up for, say, Uber Eats or something like that and just continue to work that until your restaurant reopens. So hopefully a lot of people are doing that. Also, we have a thing here in Colorado where the state is, is uh, allowing people who are temporarily off work to apply for unemployment insurance benefits. Oh, interesting. So you could just get it, you know, you can apply for it and just get it for just a few weeks um, rather than, uh, you know, having to say, oh, I'm, I've been laid off and I'm out of work for the foreseeable future. So it'd be interesting to see how well that actually happens in reality, whether people can quickly get money um, to fill this gap. 
Yeah, my understanding, at least out here, is that unemployment insurance can be a a long and painful process mm-hmm. uh, to to apply for and then to finally get. So hopefully they've greased the skids on some of that if they're doing it. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought about actually um, intentionally frequenting uh, the delivery services. I may have to uh, to chat with my wife about maybe doing some more of that to uh, to keep our favorite restaurants. You know, give our favorite restaurants some business. The other thing that uh, I have heard mentioned, and I, another idea that I really like, is um, the way <laughs> I heard it referred to as beer futures. And what it is is you go to your favorite, um, uh, like I've got a, a beer bar and tap room that you know I'm friends with the owners and that kind of stuff, and they're faced with a problem, right? They have to shut down. Yeah. Um, so go buy a go buy a gift card, right? Go buy yourself a, a gift card for beer in the future. And that way they've got revenue now to keep things afloat. And then you've got, you know, however long length of time you want to use to, uh, to spread that out. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I think that's a pretty neat idea. And I'm going to have to, uh, going to have to investigate that for a couple of these, a couple of these places, see if they'll do it. Yep. So <clears throat> it's interesting. I've, I've been obviously like you, I'm sure, been paying attention to a lot of what's been going on with the move to uh, online uh, education, online this, online that. We talked some mm-hmm. about it last week. Um, and I just find it a fantastic use of the technologies that we've been very slowly uh, putting into place over, I'll just say, the last five years. I don't think the internet of five years ago could have handled what what, what seems to be happening right now. One of the articles in the Seattle Times that ran, uh, I think yesterday or, or today, uh, was basically questioning, you know, well, can the internet handle it? Can Do we have the infrastructure to uh, actually handle all of these people going to streaming services online uh, all at once? And so far, the answer seems to be, well, yeah, things seem to be working. Yeah. Some individual services may occasionally be having problems. Microsoft Teams, I'm looking at you. They, uh, <laughs> they apparently uh, had some interesting failures, at least in the Europe side of things, uh, over the past couple of days. But by and large, services like uh, you know, Zoom and GoToWebinar, GoToMeeting and WebEx and, and so many of those other uh, traditional meetings, even, you know, the Skypes uh, and the Google Hangouts of the world, they all just seem to be kind of sort of working for everybody that has the connection to be able to use them. <clears throat> We've talked a lot about seeing um, education, you know, f- all the way from, um, you know, uh, I don't want to necessarily say kindergarten, but certainly very young age up through college moving to online instruction. And uh, But what I've started to see now are moves to uh, take more social interaction online in a uh, in an online video or group conferencing kind of mode. I've been seeing people uh, set up meetings, not for any business purpose, but just to hang out. I mean, literally use Google Hangouts to hang out for a change instead of, um, instead of holding a meeting that way. I've also seen individuals who have you know, areas of expertise uh, like, you know, you and I have a friend uh, who's in the building trade. He, he runs an online uh, building advice uh, 
a site. We can go ahead and name it askthebuilder.com. And uh, he's been talking about doing some online, live online Q&A for his audience uh, who you know, probably can't necessarily find a repairman or having, to, having trouble getting some issues fixed that are going to come up regardless of, of you know, the, the fact that there's some kind of a, uh, a virus going around. They still have to get you know, their, their plumbing fixed or their electrical or whatever. And, and he's in a position to, uh, to help them live with live video, which I think is an excellent, excellent idea. Uh, I'm thinking of dabbling in some of that here in the near future myself. Uh, but I just find it I just find it really, really fascinating to see all of these technologies come together in I'm reluctant to call it a perfect storm, but it actually is pretty darn good to see it all come together and uh, be usable by the masses and, and actually have it be a solution to what is currently a very a very troubling time now um, I, so somebody was asking about last week, I think you know. Do they have the capacity? And of course, now the answer appears to be yes. But somebody pointed out that, well, heck, just set up a virtual classroom in World of Warcraft, right? One of these massively multiplayer online games. These games are explicitly designed to handle a lot of people doing a lot of things in real time, online. Um, a classroom environment, a virtual classroom environment is, is you know, not going to be much of anything. Sure, there's no whiteboard. You'll have to do it basically via chat or, or potentially voice. But um, it just, it was kind of meant as a joke, but it actually highlights the fact that a lot of the technology that people have been uh, thinking about also already has very strong roots in the, in the gaming industry. And then literally just moments before, uh, as I was, you know, researching a little bit for this, uh, for this podcast, podcast, uh, come across an article that um, Discord, which is a, uh, as I understand it, it's a platform intended for gamers to use, uh, basically to taunt one another while they're playing games in real time. Um, They've published an article specifically for teachers that says, hey, here's how you can set up your virtual classroom using Discord. Um, And Discord, by the way, is free and you can have classes of up to 50 and, you know, those kinds of things. Um, Twitch, I'm sure, is another one. It's another gaming platform. It's a live streaming gaming platform. Um, Again, the intent is you get to show off your mad hacker skills as you're playing a game, but that doesn't necessarily mean it can't be used for other things. Um, And I just find that also very interesting. And then yesterday, I got a text from someone who wanted to talk to me on Zoom in real time. Yeah, so Zoom is what we use to record this show. Um, so I have a, a very modestly priced little you know business account with it, uh, so we can do it. Um, and it but a lot of people use Zoom for video, and uh, I thought, well, I have this account, uh, and I heard a lot of people doing things like having their school classes on Zoom or business meetings on Zoom. Why can't you have a virtual party on Zoom? Um, you know, since I, I don't know, it's, I guess when you can go and just see anybody you want, hang out wherever you want, you, you take it for granted. Then all of a sudden, and, and I don't do much of that, but now all of a sudden that I can't do it, I felt the need to do it. Um, I don't like so to I hang thought, out with people, but now that I can't, uh, I need to hang out with people. I need to, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, that would be, what if I just invited people to hang out at a Zoom video conference, but not for a company meeting, not for a class, just hang out like you would a get together. So I was thinking about that idea and I said, well, heck, let, let me just try it. And I just sent out about, I don't know, eight or nine text messages really quickly to like some of the people that just happened to be on the left sidebar of my messages app. Um, <laughs> and uh, you were one of the people that joined me while you were driving. Yes. Um, 
And I had a friend from New Mexico join me and a friend, another friend just from across town here in Denver and from the uh, other, other side of Colorado. It was kind of neat. We just uh, was able to introduce a few folks had never met each other. And um, we uh, just had a chat about a few various things uh, for about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, half hour. I don't know what it was. Uh, but the idea would be that, uh, you know, the test worked. Um, I think what I'd like to do is do it again, but number one, do it in the evenings. So leave the bandwidth for people working and going to school during the day. Mm -hmm. But in the evenings, when probably there's not as much use for that, you know, bandwidth going through a a company like Zoom, then um, do it then and also schedule it. So maybe send even out an evite or something for a specific time um, and send out, you know, 20 or so. Uh, invites and just see what I get. I don't think it get too big because it, it's not so much a party as a single conversation at a party because it can't can't really be multiple conversations. Right. It's very much, well, I mean, I'm sure listeners hear it here. One person can talk at a time. It's very difficult for um, yeah. us as participants to uh, to hear someone else if somebody else is talking over them. Zoom will actually cut out the other person rather than blend the voices, which is what you would normally hear if you were uh, you know, in person with, with someone. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to step on somebody when they're talking um, using this technology. But as you, and you pointed this out in yesterday's call as well, it really is a one person speaks to the crowd at a time kind of a scenario, which is subtly and yet importantly different than an actual in-person. Yeah. So, I, so the numbers have to be kept kind of small, but you know, it could be more thought of as like a dinner party rather than a, an actual party. Matter of fact, I, so I had this idea, but I'm of course not the only one having the idea. I, I saw somebody I know on Facebook actually posted uh, that they want to do the same thing, but make it kind of either a wine tasting or a chocolate tasting or something like that. Everybody right. being a piece of chocolate they have around the house. Uh, we all sign on and then, you know, we could talk about the chocolate that we're trying. Um, and I imagine doing wine would be even more appealing to some people. Uh, so, you know, doing something like that and a dinner party wouldn't actually be that bad, you know, bring your dinner, right. and everybody sit there and that probably would help with the, you know, the number of people you could probably have more people as long as everybody's eating, right. having one person talk at a time probably isn't that big of a deal because you have something to do while you're not talking. It's like, oh, I'll take a bite while somebody else is talking. And Just I'll so that everybody remembers to mute their microphone while they're chewing. That's yeah, all, yeah, that's, that's all that. I ask. <laughs> have a filter for that. And, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, I even thought of this uh, last week. I thought, uh, you know what entertainers should be doing, specifically like music artists, is they should be getting online and just doing something. I mean, we don't have sports to watch. We don't have, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of shows like late night talk shows and things like that aren't on right now. But if uh, musicians, or musical artists got on and it just streamed from their homes, uh, they have a lot that they could do because they could play their songs, they could play covers, right? They could play something that they're working on. I know there are a lot of YouTubers and such that do this already. You know, if you're not famous and signed to a record label, you very often get on to YouTube, sometimes even YouTube live and and do like, oh, here's something I'm working on, right? Because you don't have to worry about people hearing it in advance. You want them to maybe get interested and become fans and all. But I thought maybe music artists could do that as a way, you know, since they can't tour and they can't get into the studio or record something that they could do uh, to help the situation. And in fact, that's actually happening now. So uh, I'm glad that I was the only one thinking it because um, 
There is uh, there are a bunch of artists that are just doing these little impromptu live things. I saw Miley Cyrus is doing it um, yesterday. Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, you know, uh, from Coldplay, know. from Coldplay, the lead singer of Coldplay. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, the yeah. Name, anyway, him. Yeah. <laughs> he he got on and did it, and then uh, for half an hour. And on Instagram and then threw it today to John Legend to pick it up and do it. And it's part of kind of a, a food bank charity movement. Oh, cool. Thing. And so everybody's doing it on their own Instagram account, but they're sure to you know, plug this thing. And then uh, John Legend mentioned that he didn't know who was going to be doing it tomorrow, but uh, there are a whole bunch of people that he knows that are lined up to do this. So somebody, one of these famous you know, acts is going to come in and be doing it. And today's was particularly cute because it was I'm not a big John Legend fan, but I had to be a uh, fan today just seeing him sitting on the piano or sitting by the piano, Chrissy Teigen sitting on the piano mm-hmm. <laughs> and their little daughter Luna uh, with them and just singing songs. Uh, and just being silly together as a family. Cool. So that was like really cool for about a half an hour. And other, yeah, other artists, people are doing full on com- concerts. St. Patty's Day, I think uh, Dropkick Murphys are doing a full concert on streaming since so many bars are closed and so many places in the United States, probably by then almost all of them. Right. And uh, so having something like that to fill that gap of uh, as, not being as, able to go out. As somebody nice. pointed out, you know, St. Patrick's Day hasn't really been canceled. Yeah. It's been turned into a you know DIY kind of event where you basically yeah. party on your own. I think um, in Ireland, all the bars have been closed. Yeah. But in fact, I'm, pretty, I'm sure about it. I saw that that's, in the news. That's got to hurt. That's got to yeah. hurt yeah. Uh, for so many reasons. Um, and it's not just, um, you know, the various pop and rock acts that you might have mentioned. It's uh, the Seattle Symphony has mm-hmm. been streaming mm-hmm. concerts here, uh, which I think is also uh, very cool because they can't, I mean, obviously you can't fill their venue. Uh, that's just not the thing to do. But yeah. um, they, you know, they're, they need to, you know, they're going to, play anyway so let's maybe throw it online and let people seated a little further apart from each other than yeah. normally i guess um, the uh, um a lot of and uh, you've probably already seen this too a lot of churches are taking their uh, their sunday services mm-hmm. online and a lot actually already have i've been paying attention because i because i have an affinity for the pipe organ i've been paying attention to uh, various church services around the world actually oh. that um stream their uh, some of their services that include the organ and things like the Washington Natural, National Cathedral. They've been streaming that kind of stuff for a long time. There are a couple of other scenario, a couple of other places that do it as well. Uh, and like I said earlier, it's just it's one of those things that uh, we've been building to this for a really long time, and it's really neat to see all the the various technologies come together and work, and then see all the people take advantage of it, see all these opportunities for uh, for people to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm seriously considering um, you know setting up some live time for uh, for Ask Leo in the coming days, just because I think it'll be an interesting uh, an interesting exercise for those folks that can show up. My biggest problem is deciding which technology to use. Um, there are so mm-hmm. many, um, you know, for, for the kinds of things that, uh, you and I do, which is almost, um, a webinar style format where we're making presentations and making, maybe, t- uh, taking some typed in commentary. Uh, we don't even necessarily need to use true webinar software, uh, no. something like, um, 
YouTube Live or Facebook Live, yep. just anything where you know we we broadcast out and they type back in, is plenty to uh, to to make the connection and make it happen. Yeah, I use uh, I've done a couple of Facebook Live sessions in the past, nothing recently, and if I was going to do it again during this, then I I think I would use YouTube Live because the great thing about it is if you you know there's already people watching my videos at YouTube and if they miss it. Um, it's just there is another video when I'm done. Right. Uh, so it's very easy for people to, uh, to you know, see what was talked about or whatever. You know. Well, certainly if, if I were, you know, if I do this, regardless of which technology I use, one of the predetermined factors for me will be, can I record what I'm doing? In other words, when it's done, after it's done live, is there a recording? And obviously, with YouTube Live, uh, it's, it's just a side effect of using YouTube Live. Uh, with Facebook Live, I think there is. Though I'm not sure it's that easy to download. I'm not sure you can download the Google one very easily either. Uh, but, um, and I know you know, you know I've been chatting on a different venue. The um, um, OBS, Open Broadcast Software, I think it's called. Um, yeah, is uh, OBS is this, project. Yeah, OBS project is the uh, the software that I've been using for uh, anything at my desk where I'm speaking to the camera and then also um, potentially throwing to a screenshot. Um, they uh, it uh, streams to YouTube Live and to Facebook Live and to a bunch of other places, and at the same time, I believe will let you uh, spin off a recording of what it is you're doing. So um, that may be the solution for me too. I think I suspect that this that the recording it spins off is probably also going to be higher quality. That's actually the problem I had with my most recent webinars. That the uh, the webinar went fine, but the quality of the video just wasn't that great. And and I want to make sure that I'm capturing something in the highest possible um, quality at some point. Yep. Yeah, so. I've also used OBS uh, when I've done live YouTube things because it's easy to switch between you know showing my screen showing me or showing me and my screen at the same time right right just handy uh, yeah it does require a, more you can do. a fair amount of prep work uh, to set up the different uh, scenes sure. you want to be able yeah. to trans trans um, transform between but uh, once you do that um, and that's where I need to spend a little bit more time but once you do that it actually is pretty simple pretty straightforward I like it a lot um, and especially when you, like in my case, you couple that with a virtual machine running, um, you know, instead of running the windows that I run, which is my, you know, highly cluttered with all sorts of applications and random stuff on my menu. Um, I fire up a virtual machine. That's a little bit more like the windows that my, my audience runs and uh, show them uh, something that looks a little bit more familiar to them than the mess that is my machine. Yep. Yeah. So, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think I'm hearing I, part of my feeling for the last week. Um, well, first of all, boy, there hasn't really been a single thing that has dominated world news so much since 9-11. True. Uh, you know, the, that's the last time I could think that every single headline you look through, that any headline that is not involving this looks out of place. Like, why? Yes. Who's reading that? You know? Um, <laughs> So it, it's strange, but I think that it's even more of a worldwide type of thing. I did ask my patrons um, on, I think it was Thursday, Friday, uh, maybe it was even earlier than that, you know, just how's everybody doing? 
And I heard from people all over the world. And the thing that got me most was how similar things are all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, same, same thing. Streets are quiet. No toilet paper in the stores. Uh, it's weird. So being it's home. not just an American thing. Yay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that was kind of interesting, uh, you know, but I'm, and in general, I'm hearing lots of good things on next door locally. There are several people posting. If anybody who is an at risk group needs something, let me know. I will go grocery shopping for you. I'll bring you stuff. Right. Uh, you know, any other, other people at, you know, posting resources, posting help. There was an electrician in my neighborhood that said, if anybody needs emergency electrical work, I am now doing it for free for the foreseeable future. Just call me. I will come over. I'll fix what the problem is and uh, that kind of thing. Um, so there's, there's a lot of that. There's a little bit of tension, but nothing that has happened too much. There's Mostly I'm seeing tension with people that here that are not, uh, they still have to go into work into a big office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, technically there is no ban on office work right now. You know, there's not here in Colorado anyway. They haven't told companies they can't have people, it, you know, you can't have big gatherings and restaurants are supposed to close people, places that people gather. But if your company says, no, you still got to come into work and sit in your cubicle, there's been nothing publicly said, you know, the government hasn't put any restriction on that. So people are acting as sometimes as if there is. You know, even suggesting that you should call the police, you know, but it's like when there's nothing, but there's no restriction on that now. I mean, it's just that so many places are allowing people to work from home. Right. It's unusual. The ones that are being, the people are being told you got to come in. Um, well, we know there are just some jobs that can't be done yeah, remotely. They're just, they just are. That's the nature of some of those jobs. And that's oh, unfortunate, yeah. um, certainly for the people that need to fill them if they had to have no alternative to other than to go into work. Exactly. But, you know, I could see, and also I think there's a big difference. Like if you're working in a restaurant, not only are there lots of people in there, but there's people coming in, people going out. It's a whole, whole evening of ins and outs of people. And, you know, it's like when you see those simulations with the little circles, the ping pong balls, you know, hitting each other, cir- you know, simulating a pandemic, yep. Yep. you know, it's like you, you're just in one of those simulations when you're at a restaurant, people coming in, bouncing off each other. But in an office situation, first of all, even in cubicles, you're actually pretty well spaced from each other. Right. I mean, I know there are situations where people are sitting, you know, elbow to elbow on desks, but I don't think that's what people are dealing with here in Colorado, right? I think it's, you've got a cubicle, you probably are six feet, at least from the person who's physically closest to you. And it's the same people. You sit at your desk, the other people sit at their desk. There's not this every, you know, stream of people coming in and going out all day long. And it's the same people the next day too. So, you know, it's probably would be great if people could, everybody who wanted to work from home could work from home. But I think we're, taking care of some of the big major things first, like restaurants. And I think it's, I think in those simulations, having people go into work at offices and cubicles is probably a pretty low, like, uh, you know, volume of spreading of disease compared to other places. That's one of the things that a lot of people have a hard time grasping is that this is not about absolutes. Um, Mm -hmm. Working from home is not the solution for everybody. Working in an office is not required of everybody. But it's about moving as many of the people as you can into environments where they are less likely, again, not guaranteed, just less likely to come into contact with more people, which will then eventually slow down, not prevent, but slow down the, pro- the progression of this disease. And... <clears throat> 
That's, that's why these huge targets like out here, the big companies, you know, Microsoft and Amazon and so forth, who are, who have, have been working from home now for a couple of weeks. Many of their employees can, um, and that's fantastic. And yes, mo- taking them out of that pool, that vector pool, if you want to call it that, um, is is one way to help slow things down. Yeah. Uh, restaurants, like you say, restaurants, I mean, as wonderful as many of the restaurants are about being clean and fastidious, you just have to believe that um, you know, with, with as many customers as come in and touch that salt shaker every day, there's yeah, just, yeah. there's just no way. Right. Or I've already thought about like, I, when I go to a restaurant, I'm very, um, you know, if I'm going to have like a burger and fries, what do I do? I reach over to the communal ketchup bottle, mm-hmm. um, that everybody has been touching and squeeze out some ketchup. And then what do I do? I use those same fingers, maybe wiped off on a napkin uh, to pick up the fries. Um, (laughs) And it's, it's, you know, that's, that's natural. That's normal. And that's what people are used to doing. And even if they uh, keep it in their mind that they shouldn't be doing that, or or even if things get cleaned as well as they can be between customers, um, it's still going to happen. It's just going to. Uh, yeah. It's it's so yes. To shutting down the 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 restaurants and the bars for in person you know, communal seating and that kind of stuff that makes a tremendous amount of sense. I mentioned yeah. earlier. Go ahead. Oh no, I was going to add about like uh, yeah, people. I, I, some people go a little too far. Like I did see somebody commenting that they went to the park and were appalled to see so many people at the park. And That's great. I, well, yeah, because going out. First of all, it's keeping your social distance, but yep. it's good to go out and get exercise. Good to get your sunshine for vitamin sunshine. D, yep. which is yep. important for the immune system, right? And um, and I know personally, I can, so I go and I uh, we're both dog lovers, but difference is you have dogs with no legs, <laughs> <laughs> and I think they just have feet, right, attached directly to their bodies, something, something like that, close yeah, to yeah. that. So for every every inch of leg that's missing from from the corgis. They're applied to the type of dog that I have, which are basically all legs, <laughs> you know, majority legs. Right. And so, yeah, so I take my dog for a walk and I don't come anywhere near other people. I mean, I go through right. a public park. I see lots of other people on a regular day uh, there. I don't go near any other people. There's, exactly. there's no congregating. I am essentially alone as I go through this public park. Um, maybe you pass somebody else. I mean, for like a split second, you are within a few feet of somebody as they walk in one direction, you walk in the other. Usually you get away because number one, you have a dog. Right. Uh, and again, <laughs> you probably don't know this for the type of dog you have, but but you know, I have to, of course, make sure my dog isn't going to uh, be too friendly with them. Uh, not all people like dogs, strangely right. enough. It's appalling, but it's true. And uh, And also, of course, a lot of other people out right now in parks are doing what I'm doing, which is walking their dog, which means we need to keep an even greater distance from each other. If there was no other reason just to keep the dogs from, you know, intertwining their leashes. Right. So right. it's perfectly, uh, I think it's perfect fun uh, to go out. And I think it's awesome. In fact, I was walk. mentioning that to my wife yesterday. Well, two things. One is I believe if she hasn't already, uh, my wife is in fact walking two of our three dogs right now. We're dragging uh, them behind her. 
I know they they do, they do well. They it's they, it's not a it's not fine. a fast walk. I see many corgis when I walk my but dog. It is uh, definitely the case that now we've had a, a cold, gray, wet winter, and it's the past. I'll say three or four days have actually the sun's been out. It's been kind of comfortable during the day. Anyway, I've seen more people walking out on the streets, uh, on the paths, in the park that's nearby um, than ever before. And what's really interesting about it that I really noticed is that it's not just individuals or couples. I'm now seeing families, Mm -hmm. right? You know, mom and dad and the kids, they're getting the kids out of the house and going for a walk or walking the dog. Um, And I think that that's absolutely fantastic. That's great. You're right. There's plenty of distance between them and the other people on the trail or on the road or whatever. Um, And it's, there are just so many good reasons to do it. uh, It just makes a lot of sense. If you're healthy, if you're not feeling well, then I have to go to the other side and say, yeah, then stay home. Take a walk in your backyard. (laughs) Walk around the backyard. Other than that, there's uh, yeah, good reason to, to go and do that. So, yeah, you know, but people, I don't know, there's lots of different opinions, lots of different things people are saying, but on the whole, people are good, even to the point where I I noticed somebody say on TV the other day that the media needs to stop using the word panic. Nobody's panicking. When you describe a line at a Costco that goes all the way to the back of the store, that's the opposite of panic. People right. waiting a, in line. That's an orderly queue. Yes. It's an orderly yeah. queue. Panic is a very different thing. Now, there have been instances of panic, right? I mean, we've heard a couple of stories about people going absolutely crazy, you know, when the next pallet of toilet paper gets delivered at the back of the Costco, Right. Um, I haven't heard any, but yeah, well, there've been I a couple, there've been a couple of stories. One, okay. in fact, I think including a broken wine bottle um, oh, no. used as a weapon because that person wanted their toilet paper. Damn it. Um, it's crazy. It was, yeah, yeah. There's that, but that is, and this actually goes back to some of the philosophy I hold for uh, like heroic stories and not all news is bad. And that is that those stories are news specifically because they are the exception, not the rule. Right, an yes. orderly line is in Costco is boring. It's not very newsworthy. But if somebody suddenly hits somebody else over the head with a, bo- a wine bottle, okay, that's news. And I get that that's news, but it's news because it's unusual. Right, right. But they're so, using panic like people right. are panicking. So they just say people are panicking. They go to the grocery store. They get toilet paper. They wait in line, pay for it, and leave. So that's not panicking. <laughs> that's not panic. <laughs> that's being concerned about the supply of toilet paper. Now, I will say a word that is absolutely valid to use these days is anxious or anxiety. Oh, sure. I yeah. think there's a tremendous amount of anxiety um, just in general among the among uh, everybody. It varies, of course, depending on your own natural leanings, right? Are you typically a person who does get anxious easily or not? Well, this is an environment in which everything that could possibly make you anxious is probably going to, going to, going to trigger. Um, and that's very real and something that I think people need to be aware of and take into account as they deal with, as they help, as they make themselves available to others. But that is not panic. Anxiety is not the same as panic. Um, and it's, it's something that, uh, like I said, I think a lot of people are dealing with right now just because there's so much unknown, so much unknown. We have no idea how long this is going to last. And I think that that's something that, um, a lot of people are, uh, quite, quite concerned about. I want to trip, come back to a point that you mentioned earlier. You mentioned next door, 
we've joked about next door on this podcast, I think a time or two before where it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, the backyard where a bunch of grumpy old men start arguing about, you know, somebody being on your lawn or that person shouldn't be parking there. Or why is your fence painted this color instead of that color? It's those kind of complaints or like in our neighborhood, Oh my God, I saw a coyote. Who do I call? You don't call anybody. <laughs> Coyotes live here. You know, you, you. Um, but it's interesting to see the tenor kind of sort of change in the sense that next door is in fact becoming more helpful. It is becoming a way for people to actually connect. And that same observation is seems to be happening um, in social media in general. I'm seeing a lot of quote unquote good things happening on Facebook where um, People are taking the, the time to share some good information. They are taking the time to show support for the people that need it. Um, they are just basically reaching out to people that need to be reached out to. And I think that that's, again, much like the, 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 the streaming technologies and all that kind of stuff. These are the technologies that we've been working on for the last five or 10 years that seem to finally kind of sort of be coming together in a positive way during this crisis. Yep, indeed. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Just to, to try to keep it geeky and techy, hmm. uh, another thing that I noticed, um, not so much on Nextdoor, maybe a little bit, but on Reddit, local Reddit groups, is uh, people you know, complaining they can't get tested. Um, but usually it goes like this. I'm sure I have it. <laughs> I'm not feeling well, blah, 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 but I can't get tested. Um, and people then being concerned, oh, keep us updated, how are you feeling, that kind of thing. Uh, so I'm a numbers guy. I always look at numbers, and boy, are there lots of numbers to look at here. And <laughs> one of the numbers I've got to look at is from my local state government is the test results for the entire state of Colorado, uh, which are updated twice a day. And currently, they uh, show a positive test result of 160, out of a total number of tests of at least 1,216, at least because they, they know all the positive results. They don't know the total number of results because private companies sometimes don't report that. They have to report positives, but only the state itself knows the number of tests it's done. So it's, it's either 1,216 or greater. Right, right. But this 160 number is, is exact. So this made me think, well, wait a minute. So in order to be tested in Colorado right now, number one, you have to be sick. Okay. You have to show some symptoms. So in other words, when somebody says, I'm sure I have it. Well, that's all 1,216 people that are getting tested are saying that. I'm sure I have it. <laughs> I'm right. going to get tested. Um, and you also need to have some other reason, like I came into contact with somebody that tested positive, or I came back from travel, or, you know, I work in an environment where somebody tested positive, you know, just for it. But let's put that aside for a second and just say, these are 1,216 people that were sure they had this. They're sick. They're not feeling well. I'm going to get tested. They get tested, 160 come out positive, which is 13%, which means that 87% of the people were wrong. Yeah. They have the flu. They have a bad cold or something else, right? The, so this means that we could apply this mathematically to the person saying, I can't get a test, but I'm sure I have it because I don't feel good. 
and say that at the very least you are 87 percent wrong you, you know <laughs> probably you're it's probably it's a much higher number than 87 it's no smaller than 87 percent and right. you know according to the, these this numbers here so you know i i don't like seeing people assuming that they have it I'd, I'd much rather they were accurate and say, I don't feel good and I'm concerned. I'd like to rule this out. Um, and what I don't like even more is for every one person saying it, there are several or maybe dozens per post of people that are buying into it. Oh, yes, I believe you. You definitely have it. I hope you get tested soon, which is then mean, means there's lots of people out there saying, oh, there's people all over the place walking around that have this but aren't counted as positives because they're not being tested, which isn't the case because there's a far greater number of people that are walking around sick indeed, no doubt about it. They're telling the truth about their symptoms, I'm sure. It's just that they do have something else. Right. So it's it's one of those things. I like accuracy. I like looking at the numbers um, and keep that in mind the next time you hear about somebody that, oh, definitely has it, but it hasn't been able to be tested yet. The um, So our, our friend Randy, former co-host and hopefully someday return guest, uh, posted, I think he posted it in his newsletter, and I saw him post it again today on Facebook on the This Is True page. Uh, He is an associate with the local volunteer EMS uh, medical response folks, and they distributed actually a very handy chart that lists in decreasing order uh, the symptoms that you will experience with COVID-19. And the highest number one symptom that they see across the board, it's not 100%, but it's like 90, um, is fever. And things that a lot of people might associate with, quote unquote, being sick, like, I don't know, having diarrhea or having runny nose or those kinds of things. Those actually aren't very strong indicators of COVID-19 at all. They are more likely to be associated with a common flu. So I think what a lot of people are are doing is they're saying, I'm sick in the generic sense because they have these random symptoms. And then they're not connecting the dots between the symptoms they have and the diseases that they likely represent uh, because we're in this age of, of, you know, COVID-19 anxiety. So yeah, it's, 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 I'll try and um, see if I can't rustle up a copy of that chart and at least link to it from our show notes because I found it one of the more understandable and useful ways of gauging uh, what it is you're experiencing. And this is the kind of a chart they're handing out to the EMS folk um, out where mm-hmm. Randy is. So here's, here's what you want to know about COVID-19 to understand whether or not you're actually, you know, how likely it is you're dealing with it. Yeah, and the interesting thing about looking at that chart is, of course, there is no telltale symptom that's just for COVID-19. Correct. Not a single one of those was something, oh, if you've got that, then that means you have it. Everything else is a symptom of flu or even colds. Um, So it's impossible to self-diagnose. Or hay fever. I mean, yeah, 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 many of them were. Um, you know, or just or everyday like, life. <laughs> number two, number two on the list, I think, is the dry cough. Um, I was telling the folks oh, yeah. at, at the blood center earlier today that, yeah, I've had a dry cough for I don't know about a year, uh, so it predates the COVID nineteen. So I'm pretty sure it's not related yeah. to the COVID nineteen. Oh, there probably, are people that have a perpetual dry cough. Yeah, mine's related, I believe, uh, to the blood pressure medication that I'm on. Yeah. But the the point is, though, that um, you know. 
like you said, many of these symptoms are just symptoms of being sure. alive. <laughs> right? Being alive. Head, yeah. Headaches is like a, a minor, minor symptom. It's like only 10% or something. Right. You know, it's one of those things. So it's, uh, but it's like, that's just pe- people have had it. I have headaches here and there all the time. Yep. So yeah, there is no, unfortunately, no telltale symptom. You know, your, your thumb doesn't turn a shade of green or something, you know, awesome? that tells you, <laughs> Oh, that would be, yeah, we would need all these tests, you know, it'd just be like, Oh, there's a little tab on the back of your neck and it says COVID-19. If it, <laughs> that, that would be, uh, that would be good. But that is, I mean, scientifically, that's what we're looking for in terms of like testing. Right. right. I mean, the, our, all of this stuff that we're doing now, a lot of it wouldn't be necessary and everything would be much more under control if we simply had a wide availability of a, test that you know you could just go in get tested the test would help Uh, us understand exactly how bad the problem really is yes and give us a much better handle on who needs to take what kind of actions and of course um you know the ultimate is a shot much like you know like there is for the flu well vaccine Um, yes but that's um that's a little ways out although although in good news and in fact i think i'm posting this on not all news is bad either tomorrow or the next day um the very first trial for a COVID-19 vaccine began here in Seattle yesterday. They actually had the first person uh, literally getting the shot made news. And now of course it's, you know, it's a couple months, it's a couple months trial at least, and they're going to get a couple of shots and they've got a pool of, you know, this number of people. And, and I'm sure that they're doing it double blind as you should for these kinds of things. But the point is that, um, you know, they're working hard on making this stuff happen. And, and that makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, uh, you know, uh, hopefully this is, this works because one of the advantages of what they're doing with that shot is it's not anything like any new technology. So a lot of the stuff is tried and true and they're, you know, sure that it's safe because you know, that's the first thing is testing at any, any treatment, whether it's a vaccine or, you know, a drug or anything to see, does it have any bad side effects? And right. the second thing is, does it actually work? Right. And right. this, they are, they feel really confident that it's safe because it's not a big departure from existing vaccines and existing right. things that they're doing. Uh, that's why they're able to go to human trials so quickly. But the, thing is, do they see the evidence that it actually works? Um, You know, and that takes, unfortunately, it takes time because what they give it to however many people and you can't, unfortunately, (laughs) the way it works is you have to just wait and see. And, you know, you can't. How many of them actually have it down with COVID-19 or not? It's kind of a, it's a weird, um, weird statistics to be in. It's like, go out and, oh, continue to be safe and wash your hands. But, uh, you know, we're kind of looking for results to see whether or not out of however many of you there are, if any of you actually get it. So it's a weird thing. It's it's just a very weird situation. I think that that's also what a lot of people have trouble with is understanding the the testing methodology, the testing model that must be used for these kinds of things. Why can't they do it quicker? Well, because it takes time. It's just, there's no way around this. There's no way to tell what's actually going to work uh, without these kinds of trials. Right. The, what we have done as humans in the past, we don't do anymore, which would be in a situation like this to actually give 300 people the vaccine and then send them into a environment where the, a lot of people are infected and see if they get it. Um, We used to do that uh, a long time ago. We uh, eventually uh, did it with things like 
prisoners on death row and such, um, even. And then eventually, uh, almost 100 years ago, maybe 80, 90 years ago, we finally uh, got civilized enough that we stopped doing that kind of thing. Right. Um, I can't remember what the name of the uh, – there was a uh, famous uh, uh, medical condition in the South, right, where they, they were able to uh, find out what it was for sure, but they used uh, a life sentence prisoners Ew. for it. Uh, basically um, – you know, they, they knew it was a, a, or the theory was it was a nutritional deficiency. And so they basically uh, gave half of the test group the supplements that they needed, if it was a deficiency, to get, you know, be okay. And mm -hmm. the other half of the group didn't get those supplements. Right. And it proved very effectively that that was, in fact, a nutritional deficiency. And I believe all the prisoners in the study got out. I mean, they were like life prisoners, but they were able to be set free because of their participation in this. Mm -hmm. So they got a benefit from it. And I even think the ones that had adverse effects were then given the nutritional supplements so they'd get better. Once the decision was made, right? Once the decision was made. And that was like the like the last, like the most like or least non-humane way to possibly do it. And at that point I was like the last straw and it's like, we're not doing this anymore. Right. So, although I think there have been a few cases in the world where things have been done that haven't been cool. Uh, and, of course, there were uh, uh, cer certain powers in the Second World War that were actually doing things like that. Intentionally, yep. Yeah, so but we don't do that anymore, which means it takes a long time yep. to figure out if a vaccine works or not. You don't want to go and give 300 million people a vaccine only to find out. Oh, it didn't work. And, or that it has a 50% mortality rate, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Hopefully you, you, you know that already. You're just, you're just like, you're Hopefully. worried about, you're worried about the, does this actually work kind of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, science to the rescue. And it's great to see people listening to science, scientists and uh, to, uh, you know, be uh, listening to scientists who are just saying, wash your hands, and also uh, carefully watching scientists who are doing things like trying to develop treatments of vaccines. Yep. Yeah. So right. it's interesting little transition into um, the off-topic segment because it's not yeah. really that off-topic. Um, I need to, I just want to give out some, some props to several of the streaming services that are doing things like bringing some highly anticipated movies in early, like mm -hmm. um, Frozen 2 became available yeah. on Disney Plus three months early, which I'm absolutely positive is like a godsend for anybody with children of a certain age, right? It's yeah. one of those things where, yay, we don't, we don't have to watch Frozen 20 times. We can watch Frozen 10 times and then Frozen 2 10 times instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but the, and um, there are a couple of other... Um, Digital releases, movies that have already been released theatrically that are making their way to at least a digital release so you can purchase or rent them sooner than they had already been planned. And in fact, I read some, um, um, some articles where some movie uh, studios are actually releasing uh, some of their movies streaming digitally, again, for rent, no doubt, um, in lieu of releasing in the theater first. Yep. 
uh, in the past we call this direct video, but now it's it's an alternative it's an alternative for a lot of people to actually be able to see these movies that they're interested in seeing uh, without having to get into a crowded theater with a lot of other people carrying who knows what. Um, the unfortunate side of the movie industry, of course, is that um, a lot of shows, a lot of movies are simply being delayed, uh, which. Um, you know, like the, the the one that comes to mind is the next James Bond one, but there's yeah. a couple of there's a couple of others that have just been delayed. I'm not sure. I think the delays are related to movie theater occupancy. And then mm. there's the other ones that are currently in production, where they literally are just saying, you know, we don't come to work today, right? It's it's one of those situations for the people that are actually. Oh yeah, well, actually, I think Regal Cinemas has shut down nationwide. That's true. Yeah, you're right there. And in fact, I think so, it's more than just Regal. I think there were a couple of more yeah. that just announced this morning that they were so shut pretty down much well. all. I mean, I know in Colorado, they ordered the theaters closed. So all our theaters are closed here. And I'm sure it's a lot of other states. So probably the theater capacity in the United States has gone down to the single digit percents at this yeah. point and yeah. approaching zero. I and I have heard that like Universal, like the the few movies they had in the theaters now because of you know no new releases coming out for the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. um, they've actually just gone ahead. They're available to uh, to rent on various different services where you rent movies right. for twenty bucks. So you know the idea being that typically you know uh, you're, you're gonna it's not just you alone. It's probably your family watching it or whatever. Right. Oh, yeah, twenty yeah. bucks, yeah. and so they've so that's nice. I you know actually it's wish, something I wish they would have had available back when I had a little kid running around that you know we didn't go to the movies as much. Um, and I was, you know, I was like, well, I can't go out and see these movies because we have a little kid. Even when the little kid's sleeping at night, he can't just go and leave the house and go out and see a movie. So, um, you know, I thought I'll pay, I'll pay the full price. Like, let us pay 20, 30 bucks and we'll watch, you know, to watch at home. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they're actually doing that now because of this. So it will be interesting to see how many of these various accommodations, be it working from home, be it streaming movies early, being releasing direct to video first, how many of these things persist after the, you know, in six months, in 12, in 12 months, how many of those are things that these companies all decide to adopt permanently or adopt some variation of permanently? Yeah, that, that would be, it would be nice. I, li- I like, I think they said something about a 90 day, like movies are supposed to be out 90 days before they're available for rent. And the idea is like this $20 price would be, you know, before that 90 days and it would drop down to regular rental prices. And I'd love to see that yeah. um, be something kind of permanent. I mean, I'm okay with maybe a week, you know, the a week or two weeks, like that's premiere only in theaters. And then it's still in theaters, but at, you can also get it at home for 20 bucks. For a premium and, price, yep. And then it goes to rental pricing, yep. uh, that kind of thing. That that would be good. Um, Anyway, the off the off topic thing that prompted me to start talking about the streaming services was that I suddenly realized you know, we're going to be watching a lot of stuff on TV over the next few weeks, um, and we're like four episodes into Altered Carbon, the second season of mm. Altered Carbon, yes. which I find just fascinating because it's one of those um, the 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 premise behind the series is that who you are uh, can get downloaded or get placed into essentially this disc um and i forget what they call it but they they um stack the stack that's right you you, it, it, you can get yourself downloaded into this stack and that stack is then placed into a body that they call a sleeve and it's just a human body like like you and i would would uh, 
presumably already inhabit. But the point is then that <clears throat> you are effectively immortal. If that human body dies, they can just pull out the stack and stick it in a different body. Um, and there's a, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting plot line. They don't overcook the, um, uh, you know, that technological thing, but it's definitely a, a, a I shouldn't say they don't overcook, they don't overuse it. Sometimes they have these, uh, um, you know, technological things in sci-fi stories that they just beat you over the head with. This is not that. There's actually a real story going on here, and it's really interesting. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, so just yep, thought I'd I, throw that out there as something off topic. I've actually read the books um, by Richard Morgan. Uh, and uh, so I love the first series. I thought it was a great adaptation of the books. Mm-hmm. And I have, I'm only on episode two of, of, the, uh, of the second season. Um, and uh, yeah, so. One of the interesting things about the model of using stacks and different bodies is that um, there's no job security for the actors, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the primary actor in the first season, he's nowhere to be seen. He's gone. Nope. Right. He's gone, and there's uh, a new actor yeah. in his place, same character. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. But they could also bring in actors different. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot you can do. Yes, a lot, a lot yes. of interesting stuff you can do. Um, anyway, uh, so my off-topic thing is uh, just want to point out a um, uh, you know, a lot of, of Mac users, uh, and I suppose it's the same in the Windows world. You know, you can get computers that have GPUs uh, right. inside them, so graphics processing units, great for playing games, rendering video, doing things like that. But you can also get what's called integrated GPU, which is basically uh, a GPU that's on the main chip, and you're using usually using memory, regular memory for your video stuff, which is fine for people browsing the web, right. writing text, things like that. Um, but if you do have an integrated GPU and you wanted to do more with your Mac, you can get what's called a, an external GPU or eGPU. And thanks to uh, Thunderbolt um, on Macs and PCs too, you can basically plug it in and it, it works like it's a part of your computer. My friend uh, Jay from Skylapser, a YouTube channel called Skylapser, uh, he uh, just got one of these eGPU uh uh, devices from Black Magic, and he does a review of it, uh, and we'll have a link to it there. Uh, it's a really good. It's also good. It's kind of a docking type solution. If you've got a MacBook, you know you've got your MacBook that's on the go. It's lightweight. It's got the integrated GPU, which is good for battery. They don't use as much battery as regular GPU. Right. And then you have this GPU, um, this eGPU sitting on your desk that you plug your MacBook into, and also plugged into the eGPU are screens, one or more screens. So it's kind of like docking your Mac, but with extra power. Yeah. You docked it, and now you have a graphics processing unit, a big screen, and uh, you know it turns it into a whole desktop experience. So it's kind of neat. Uh, and he shows off uh, him doing some, he does a time-lapse photography, particularly of the, the night sky. Um, and, with a name like Skylapser, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. So he does all night uh, uh, time lapses, and you could see, you know, meteorites shooting through and um, stars and all. But they uh, satellites are, you know, moving around mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, in addition to the sunset, sunrises, and all sorts of other things. Um, and he does them every night, pretty much. And but that means he has to take all of those individual photos and compile them into the, these videos every day. And uh, that uh, eGPU comes in really handy. So check that video out. We'll have a link to it. 
Yeah. It's funny because I noticed uh, the, the past couple of machines that I've both looked at and, and in fact, the one I purchased, um, there typically is an integrated uh, you know, video yeah. processor on the motherboard. It's part of maybe the chipset or maybe it's just part of that particular motherboard. So you don't necessarily have to add anything if you don't want to. But then it's actually, of course, very common to uh, then plug in um, you know, a big, hefty, power-sucking uh, uh, graphics card if you're going to be using it for you know sure. video processing or gaming or whatever yeah. Uh, so yeah my my new machine uh, that I've mentioned before yeah there's some kind of a video card on the motherboard I don't think they even bother installing drivers for it because it's all um, uh, it's everything is going through the uh, the plugged in card but if you needed to run it without the plugged in card then yeah there's at least some basic functionality there the weird thing for me is that the uh, my previous machine the Dell laptop, um, actually had both as well. In other words, that laptop had two graphics adapters in it. And one was the Intel base, I think it was, you know, the, what's probably installed on the motherboard by default. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was also an NVIDIA uh, graphics adapter in there for, as well. For power, right? One was for, high power, one was Yeah, one was high power, power, one was one was low power, and one Max was, had you know, that too, yeah. you want to do 3D stuff, you do that. And I, it's not something I've ever investigated deeply, but apparently, you know, you're making this decision now in software as to which graphics adapter, which which you know, graphics CPU or GPU, are you actually using to show what's on the screen? Because there's a single screen, right? It's just it's driven by either of these two different mm-hmm. graphics adapters that I thought was really really both interesting and somewhat confusing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, to move on to our blatant self-promotion, since we are, in fact, the sponsors of this podcast, uh, I wanted to point people at a tip of the day that I released yesterday uh, that got actually sent out to everybody today. Um, the Ask Leo tip of the day is actually a perk for patrons of, uh, of a certain level. But this one was important enough that I decided to uh, record it. It's a video. Um, and I set it to be uh, public so that anybody could see it. And it's basically, the title is Let Yourself Be Seen and Heard. And what it is, is I want to encourage people who are camera shy, ultimately, to, to put it rudely, get over it. Uh, because I think that, especially now, one of the themes that we've been talking about throughout this entire episode and certainly throughout many of the the recent discussions relating to self-isolating and so forth is that it is, in fact, very easy to isolate. And video is one of the ways to increase the, you, the way you can connect with the people around you. And more importantly, it's not necessarily about you. It's about the people who need to see you. It's about your family. It's about your friends. It's about mm-hmm. helping to maintain that connection during these difficult times. And one of the ways to do that is to let yourself be seen. Learn how to use Skype. Learn how to use Zoom. Learn how to use whatever it is your, your, you know, your, that, that you think is is within your realm um, and you know set up a video conference call or just start with a, a video call between you and a friend uh, so that you can get used to it and get the camera set up and see what you're going to look like and be okay with that it really is okay seeing you is much better than not seeing you and especially in these troubled times uh, it's another way that we can reduce the impact of the uh, of this self-isolation that we're doing indeed 
Um, I have a, a video actually, uh, my self-promotion is oh, my video for, from actually it was supposed to be Monday's video, but I released it early is about the different ways that you can, um, video chat with people. I was hoping uh, Apple, that would be your choice because I saw that yeah. come across and it just made so much sense. Yeah. Apple people, uh, have a, you know, obviously a connection to using FaceTime, but, uh, if you need to communicate with people that are not on Apple products, uh, you know, Hi there. don't forget, don't forget that <laughs> Skype is, uh, Skype's cross-platform, a great, uh, cross-platform way to do it. Um, you know, and you could use that and there are other, uh, solutions as well, um, that were perfectly fine. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty easy to, to communicate, um, and do video stuff. And if you haven't done, if you're not used to doing video stuff, uh, it, it I think it's time to, to try it. So you don't have to switch to it and do it every time, but it might be nice that maybe instead of talking to the, the grandkids, Right. I'll start with the phone, try doing it video, just something, something different, and it'll create a nice, uh, a nice uh, visual connection with your communication. I forget who it was I was talking to, but I was mentioning that uh, the video phone was demonstrated at the 1962 uh, World's Fair here in Seattle. Hmm. And, uh, you know, then it was, oh, very, you know, it was like the coming thing. And of course, it really never happened. But now here we are, you know, 50, 60 years later. And uh, not only is video possible, uh, once you've got your internet service and a machine in place, it's free, it's instant, it's high definition. I mean, it's, it's, it's so many things that we didn't even foresee back then. Um, it's just one of those wonderful opportunities. And like I said, especially with everything that's going on today, it just makes a whole lot of sense to, to take a few minutes and, and figure it out, have some fun with it. And uh, you know, if you need someone to help you get it set up, do that too. Um, but uh, it's, it's worth investigating, I strongly suggest it. Indeed, cool. So, with that, we have successfully gone over an hour. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. Not that that's a goal. It's just an interesting yeah. measure. Uh, as usual, the show notes for this week will be at tehpodcast.com slash teh90. If you have a comment or a question for us, you know, hit us up out on Facebook or Twitter at the TEH podcast, uh, or you can leave a comment in the show notes page that it is a, a blog style page that is open for comments. And we would love to hear from you as always. Thanks for listening. And we will see you here again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.